0: Hello and welcome to episode 524 of the official establishedrun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, and the Super Bowl is upon us, which of course means the biggest showdown, aka one game fantasy slate of the season is upon us. With me today, with me today to discuss this is a young man who has pathetically devoted his life to the showdown format, Cody Maine, and
1: also the king of the virgins, Mike Leone. Cody, how's it going today? Uh, I'm good. This is the Super Bowl. This is my Super Bowl. As you just mentioned, I have dedicated my life to single game formats. Hopefully we can uncover some edges here for uh, what should be a fun Super Bowl.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Everybody's on a pedestal this week, especially Cody is on the pedestal <laughs> this week. Leonie, how's it going today? It's going going pretty well. I You guys stripped me of my Patrick Mahomes jersey before
2: the show, but I power through. No excuses. Yes.
0: Uh, right next to Leonie's Patrick Mahomes jersey is actually his New York Yankees hat and his Dallas Cowboys t-shirt, just bandwagoning, front running all the way through. Okay, we have a lot to get into here today. Before we get into that, reminder, this show is brought to you by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. They are running some massive, massive tournaments for the Super Bowl. These are snake drafts. Again, snake drafts for the Super Bowl. We have rankings up on the site for them. You can upload those rankings directly onto Underdog to draft with your phone while you're in the bath, while you're in the toilet, whatever you want. If you have not tried Underdog yet, promo code ETR will get you a matching deposit bonus up to $100. That's promo code ETR at underdogfantasy.com. Also, want to remind everyone that the XFL starts on February 18th, one week after the Super Bowl. Of course, we are covering the XFL. Minor League football is what we live for. And also, DraftKings has shown a pretty big appetite for it, running a ton of satellites for the big Week 1 tournament, also on Underdog. I'm sure they'll have Pick'em stuff up as well for the XFL, which we'll be looking at. Also, head to establishrun.com later this week for full details on the product, which will include projections, ownership, live shows, top plays, led by the king here, Cody May. All right. On today's show, we're mostly going to discuss the showdown format on DraftKings for a few reasons. First, it is the biggest. DraftKings has a $6 million flagship tournament and a bunch of other massive massive tournaments for the game second we do not think FanDuel's one game format is actually beatable in the long term in other words because of the format you don't pay extra for your MVP on FanDuel there's only five roster spots there's just so 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 many dupes that it's hard to even get a plus EV lineup and also because DraftKings actually allows us to download the CSV of every lineup from the tournament we have a pretty under strong understanding of what's right there what to play what the field will do FanDuel does not allow us to download the csv for some unknown reason so yeah today's show we're going to focus mostly on DraftKings anyways I- I've already said too much here let's cover some overall showdown specific stuff and then we'll get to some micro aspects of this game DraftKings showdown format one captain spot that you pay 1.5x salary for but you get 1.5x points and then five flex spots all positionless I think maybe we should start Cody with just showdown 101 basic strategy? If you had talked to someone who played DFS before, but had never played showdown before, how would you describe just basic showdown one-on-one strategy to them?
1: Yeah, I think for me, showdown comes down to basically three things. And, and it's kind of what all DFS contests come down to, regardless of sport, regardless of field size, regardless of number of games in a given slate, it comes down to projection, comes down to correlation where it can be applied. And, and for showdown, which is the, the most unique aspect of the format, pun intended, it comes down to building lineups that are not duplicated. So starting from a high level, you wanna build lineups that project well, you wanna build lineups that are correlated and that generally stems from what you're doing at your captain position, which is certainly the most important position uh, in in your six man roster. And then once you've done that, once you've built a lineup that projects well, once you've built a lineup that is correlated, you wanna try and do things within that lineup that are gonna help you be unique. So those are some of the things that we'll talk about uh, as we go throughout the show, but I think from from a very high one one type level, uh, just building lineups that project well, building lineups that are correlated off of your captain position. And then once you've done that, let's let's find ways to be unique. I think the the part that bothers some people, Leonie, about
0: showdown is it just seems like when you look at some of the winning lineups, it's like, dear God, how did someone find their way <laughs> onto this? like it and like because we talk so much about dupes and I do want to get into that in a second, you see these teams that like I get that maybe you could make some weird case for correlation with them. But a lot of times it's like weird, weird stuff that hits. And in an effort to get unique, you see people do weird things, leave incredible amounts of money on the table. And it's just a less intuitive format. I think it doesn't mean that there's not an edge there. But yeah, any further thoughts, Leone, on the basics of Showdown?
2: Yeah, like especially if you're moving from playing regular main slate DFS to showdown, the one thing that gets trippy that you have to wrap your head around is in a main slate, with there being, you know, eight to 12 games or whatever, you're trying to find guys who are hitting their 90th percentile outcome that week across 20 plus teams. In a showdown slate, there might be one or two guys that, you know, hit that 90th percentile outcome. There might be zero guys with their 90th percentile outcome. So sometimes we have, you know, we do and correlation is important as Cody suggested, but you have to think of it in terms of how a specific game plays out. If the Super Bowl is 20 to 17, which is very possible, there's going to be some things that happen that y- you might not have thought of. And when you're building a main state lineup, you might be thinking, okay, well, this person at his 98th percentile outcome is negatively correlated with this player but you know we care a lot more about median outcomes even floor outcomes and showdown because whatever the score result is there has to be a winner they're not just going to replay the slate until we get you know a high scoring one where guys are hitting ceilings left and right
0: there's a big uh debate I think in the showdown community and yes for those of you who don't know it is pathetic but there's a showdown community out there these people that obsess and think about showdown constantly and the debate is over dupes right and, and there's a lot of people out there who will say, "Ah, oh, if you go into a slate worrying about dupes, you're worrying too much. Hey, I'll take a chop 50 ways of a million dollars. And believe me, I-, I would do inhumane things to chop first place here in the Super Bowl, right? However, from an EV perspective, I think what people don't understand is when you go into a slate with a lineup duped, it's already so thin. You're giving yourself like massively negative EV once you start getting duped a lot. So Cody, I think I know where you come down on showdown, but maybe you can explain to the people the controversy here. And maybe, you know, we should at least acknowledge the other side, and the other side being the people who don't think that dupes matter or they don't care if they're duped, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, look, I'll I'll start with the dupes don't matter side here because I think if you are coming from main slate and and you just want to sweat for the Super Bowl and you're entering a couple of lineups into the flagship GPP, by all means, build a lineup that you think is fun, build a lineup that you think has a shot to be live, even if that means it's going to be duped 20, 50, 100 times. That is not the most plus EV way to play, but it is gonna give you a fun sweat. And, and if you're not here grinding out every single decimal point of EV, then then I think that's an interesting way to play. However, we have no lives and, and this is all we care about. We are here to grind out every single decimal point of EV. And I think that there is some sort of balance here and, and it comes down to kind of a at, at the most basic level, a calculation between how often do you project a given lineup to win and how often is that lineup duplicated when it does win, and that's kind of how you determine what your what your expected value is. And when we're talking about lineups that are, you know, in a four hundred and seventy thousand entry contest like the flagship on DraftKings is this week for the Super Bowl, I mean, we're talking about lineups that are going to win 0.00001 percent of the time. When you start to say that those lineups are going to be duplicated dozens of times, it, it slashes your expected value. Uh, very quickly. So yes, it comes down to a what what do you win when you win type of uh, equation. And for me, if I'm building a 150 set or a 20 max set, or even if I'm entering the single entry contest on DraftKings, I don't want my lineup to be duplicated. And if it is going to be duplicated, I want it to be a lineup that's that's more likely to win. So that, that's kind of where I come down on it. I don't think that if you are building multiple lineups, every single one of them needs to be unique. I think you know some of the best players on DraftKings will have lineups that are duplicated, but those lineups just have a better shot at winning, in my opinion.
0: How do you go about figuring out if your lineup is going to be duped? And it'll be obvious, right, in some lineups, like Jalen Hurts double with whatever fits on the Kansas City side obviously is going to be popular, you know, stuff like that. However, in
1: some weirder lineups, how do you figure out if it's going to be duped and how much? Yeah, I think at the most basic level, what you can do is, and we've talked a lot about product ownership for main slate. We, you and I have talked a lot about product ownership on the showdown slates that we've done throughout the season. I think at the very most basic level, you can take a lineup's product ownership, which is just multiplying each individual ownership together, and then take that result times the number of entries in the contest. That's not a a perfect example, but that's going to get you close to how often a, a lineup's going to be duplicated and then from there you have to do some of the things that you just talked about does that lineup have a captain Jalen Hurts with AJ Brown in the flex and Travis Kelsey on the bring back you know players that might be more popular together are going to to bring about more dupes so you're kind of looking at lineup combinations and combinations of two or three players within a specific lineup and then from there you can kind of adjust up or down on how often a lineup might be duplicated. And then some of the other things that you wanna look for is, is you know how much salary are you leaving on the table? Are you playing negatively correlated players together? You know If you've got captain Jalen Hurts with Chiefs defense, for example, you're going to have a lineup that is much less likely to be duplicated. So it is kind of, you have to apply some nuance here. There's not a direct one for one way to figure out how often a lineup will be duplicated. But the way that I kind of think about it in terms of avoiding duplicates is is pulling different levers in different lineups, given the field sizes that you're playing with. Do you need to reduce your ownership? Do you need to spend down on salary? Do you need to consider some negative correlation because your lineup projects really well, projects to be popular? Maybe you need to throw in a player that negatively correlates with your captain in order to, to have a lineup that's duplicated less.
0: Yeah, and that's why the correlation discussion is so difficult in Showdown because, like, God, you know... I- I think that you can play, I would never play Gainwell and Miles together on a main slate. I would never even play Gainwell on a main slate, right? But you can play them together in showdown to start to get a little bit weird. Same thing with like Pacheco, McKinnon stuff. Like you would never do that normally. You can do that stuff in showdown as you try to reduce the number of duplicates that you have but again this is where showdown gets trippy to me leone because it's like i'm trying to, to make the worst possible team that has a chance it's like let me play pacheco <laughs> and mckinnon together just because nobody else is gonna do it and, and that's not even true most people are, uh, there are gonna be a ton of those kind of teams so i want to get your take on that and also one thing you can do if you want to avoid this whole dupe conversation is what i would prefer play smaller field contest and i know you'll be in there leone in the smaller field stuff so go ahead on the dupe conversation leone
2: Yeah, the first thing is I think sometimes people look at correlation as a black and white thing, and it's definitely not black and white. So running backs on the same team, are they negatively correlated? Yes, but that doesn't mean there's not tons and tons of outcomes in a single game where they score the proper amount of points to be in the optimal lineup. And that's something you have to wrap your head around is if you're playing in this lotto, you know, trying to win the million dollars. You're probably gonna be duped a little bit. The idea is to not be mega duped, right? You want a, a really big score. You probably want to be winning like fifty to one hundred k, you know, plus if you can. And you're trying to get the nut lineup, right? Like the the floor of your lineup doesn't really matter. So the fact that it's weird and has a lot of downside might not really matter. That will matter in a small field, but in terms of one of the levers, Cody mentioned leaving salary on the table. You know, on a main slate probably wouldn't play Justin Watson over Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Just to leave salary on the table, because it's like, what do you win when you win? You know, maybe Watson outscores Juju by like two points, like big deal on a main slate. Well, that is a big deal in a showdown lotto where you have to hit the pure nuts. So you have to think about that. Whereas if you transfer over to small field, now you're less likely to be duped. And the amount of times and the magnitude that, certain players will outscore others start to matter a little bit more you're getting away from the lotto strategy which is like give me a lineup that when it is the pure nuts wins me a ton of money versus give me a lineup that's leveraged against the field and i could potentially win a small field tournament without having the true nuts
0: yeah and and i think for small field stuff you're going to see a lot more quote-unquote optimal type teams and obviously you can go on the solver if you have an ETR subscription and see what the optimal type teams look at, you're going to get a lot of Jalen Hurts captain. You're going to get a lot of Patrick Mahomes captain type stuff. I want to talk about captain strategy here for a second, Cody. I, I think sometimes people are like, uh, let me take put the best value in, in my captain spot, right? And sometimes the best quote-unquote value is like some 1,500 guy that projects for like nine points. I, I'm always of the opinion that we need our captain to give us more of a ceiling and on this slate I'm, we'll get to it later in the show about some of these options below 3k I don't see a ton of great captain options below 3k for this particular slate but anyways I, I think a lot of times in captain like I lean towards high ceiling wide receiver I think you have also Cody but what do you think about just general captain strategy for
1: people who haven't played a ton of showdown yeah, having started this, started tracking this stuff and historical data on DraftKings since you know the the latter part of 2019. That's the one area in, in captain selection where I think the field still is giving us uh, a little bit of an edge. I think that what you just mentioned with the field wanting to roster some of these cheaper captains and t- cheaper captains in order to jam in some of the studs or all of the studs, I think is still one of the biggest edges. We'll, we'll see some of these guys. You know, we'll talk about them here in a second with some of those sub 3K guys but we'll see them higher owned than expected in order to roster A.J. Brown and Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts and Travis Kelsey in flex with with the field not really understanding that those guys still need to not only outscore their median, but probably provide you uh, with a a pretty serious floor or a pretty serious ceiling that contends with some of those top options in order for that lineup to be optimal. Uh, So I, I lean with like what you said, you know, wide receiver Travis Kelsey can be thrown into that mix on this slate. I want guys that have that massive ceiling that if I do hit the nuts with them there uh, they they give me the 30 plus point upside generally we're looking for 25 plus in our captain spot depending on overall scoring environment so when I'm starting at you know selecting my my pool for captains I want guys that can get me 25 plus and I'm mostly removing DST mostly removing kickers and kind of leaving a pool of guys that I think give me that that true slate winning upside. Leona, do you think there's any difference for captain for small field? I think we're going to see a lot of quarterback
0: captain, especially on this slate uh, in small field, but any thoughts on captain in, in some of these, you know, 500 person or less contests?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, it just extends from what I said before about in the lotto, when you're trying to hit the pure nuts, maybe a super cheap value captain gets there just because of all the expensive players all hit. And that's the only way to fit them all in. Like that's a possibility, but in small field, when you don't have to hit the pure nuts, you're risking so much doing that where you could just get absolutely clobbered in the in the captain spot by having a guy who's going to score like, you know, a ceiling of like 12 points versus Travis Kelsey gets 30. And, you know, it's just very unlikely that you're going to hit the pure nuts and that type of field, su- field size. So um, if you are going to get cute at captain, it makes more sense in the lotto where it could just turn out that there's a specific combination that needs to happen to hit the true, true
0: optimal And, you know, you're not chasing the true, true optimal in small field. I'm hesitant. I want to talk about stacking, but I'm hesitant to give people like any hard and fast rules for showdown because you can do literally any, like anything can be the winner. However, generally speaking, I think if you're playing a quarterback captain, you need at least one pass catcher from that team, probably two in flex, although, you know, everybody's doing that. So then we get back to the whole unique conversation. If you're playing a pass catcher in captain, I think typically you want their quarterback in flex, i'm really hesitant to even say this kind of stuff though cody because especially in something like the lotto like maybe you're better off not doing that i don't know and that's where i think showdown really gets messy when it's like things that make sense you go out of your way not to do
1: so that you're not duped as much but anyways what do you think about stacking It it does feel like a chasing your tail type situation where it's like, well, this is more likely to be optimal, but it's also more likely to be utilized by the field. And because of that, it's more likely to be duplicated. So maybe I maybe I shouldn't do this. You know, it gets into that whole leveling conversation. Uh, That's that's one area that I think I've gotten better at as a player over the last couple of years. I was I was all about setting hard and fast rules in 2020, even last year, a little bit with showdown. Uh, related stuff and and this year I think that's manifested itself and it's a huge credit to the solver and the ability for us to do things like this in the solver but setting groups of players and, and, and boosting or docking based off of a certain thing happening as you mentioned you know with the captain quarterback stuff most likely if you have a captain Patrick Mahomes team be the optimal he's going to be paired with two pass catchers uh, I, I want to gr- create a rule or a group of all of the chiefs pass catchers and boost them and have two, three, four possible, you know, pass catchers in those captain Mahomes lineups and just hope that the passing production is evenly distributed. Similarly with the wide receivers, I used to set a rule with ca- if captain wide receiver must be paired with quarterback. We saw last year that that didn't work out just because of the way the, the final score worked out. I think we had a captain T Higgins or was a captain Cooper cup with, uh, with Joe Burrow in the lineup and not Matthew Stafford. So, you know, th- weird things can happen in, in any given game. So the way that I'm thinking through, you know, stacking, thinking through correlation is more along the lines of slight boosts or slight docs based off of what I'm rostering in my captain position, as opposed to setting, you know, true hard and fast rules in, in trying to entirely group out certain situations.
0: One thing that we've talked a lot about a lot through the year, and I think Cody's done a great job is of projecting roster construction. In other words, how many from each team will there be and so you know for this game your options are like four two eagles or five one eagles or three 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 from each team or, or two four in favor of uh the chiefs or whatever uh, i'm curious what you think cody is most likely i don't know if you've run it yet what do you think is the most likely construction for this yet usually when we get these high scoring tight spread games the most common constructions are three threes and four twos and i think one way to get unique like give me the best let me look at the best 20 optimals with the eagles as a five one right and like you play some script that people no one thinks is going to happen. Eagles win by 25 points or something like that, you know, and, and that's the story you tell yourself, and that's how you build your lineups. To me, that's an interesting way to get unique. Cody, any thoughts on roster construction for this slate?
1: Yeah, I haven't run it yet, but I do imagine that we are going to see a lot of three threes. The way that the slate is priced, it's pretty easy to play uh, with Jalen Hurts. It's pretty easy to play Patrick Mahomes. It's pretty easy to select your choice of pass catcher from both sides. And then you're kind of filling it out with value. So I do think we'll see a lot of three threes. We'll see a, maybe a little bit more four twos given the way that some of the value shakes out. And by that, I mean, four Eagles, two Chiefs. Historically, it has been very centered around three threes when we've got a spread of less than three. For example, um, you know, since 2020 with a spread less than three, we see one five, which in this case would just be one chief, five Eagles used 5.6% of the time. And on the, the other side, as Adam was talking about, five Eagles, one Chief, 7.9% of the time uh, for the favorites. So it is an interesting way to get different if you expect the game to go a couple standard deviations away from the expected spread of what I think is one and a half right now. If you want to build some of these onslaughts, you can get really nice projected teams that are that are also going to be relatively unique just because of the the macro roster construction that you're rolling out there
0: yeah, and I for the record, I don't think the game is going to be a blowout. But if only seven percent of the field is going to play the game to be a blowout, you know, it's at least worth considering. That's the kind of stuff that you have to get into in showdown. Anyways, go ahead, Leone, if you have anything on that. There's also just weird
2: ways that you know scores are distributed, even if it's a closer game. You know, if Mahomes is completing a ton of passes to a lot of different guys, we could see a bunch of Kansas City guys get there, and maybe Philly's just super efficient. You know, it's it's concentrated on one guy. So, there's different ways four twos and five one
0: combinations can happen you know other than just a huge blowout okay we've talked long enough without talking about player takes because let's be honest everybody just wants the player takes we we are doing established a million we are doing establish the show later this week and that will be for subscribers we just wanted to talk a little bit here about some of the interesting i thought micro points on this slate i want to talk about uh from a construction standpoint the below 3k range because my god cody normally we get some guys you know a tight end uh, uh, an rb2 uh a third wide receiver some injury thing something that gives us someone below 3k that is good here I, I honestly don't see a lot justin watson is 2k quez watkins is 1400 i don't see a lot now that said they have made as cody mentioned you can fit a lot of stuff like jalen hurts in pretty reasonably because they've kind of uh, reduce some of the salaries here to make it so that people can build fun lineups still. But in terms of like the sub 3K punts, it's really thin. Any thoughts here and on, on
1: that, Cody, and what you think it will do to roster construction? Yeah, if you make the cutoff 3K, it gets it gets incredibly ugly. I think Quez Watkins is a guy that's going to look very attractive, not only in optimals, but I think even as you're hand building, particularly if we expect the, the Jalen Hurts captain ownership to creep up north of what we have projected now at 18.2%. Quez Watkins is an easy uh, option that correlates well, of course, with Jalen Hurts. $1,400 for, for him makes him look like a very attractive play. So I could see the ownership getting uh, you know, pushed up even a little bit more than the 15% that we have projected right now on DraftKings. Sky Moore, you know, 3800 kind of misses that 3K, sub 3K cutoff, but is a guy that I think will be uh, relatively low owned. And then what I think is might end up happening is I think this might force a little bit more ownership to... What we usually don't see happen in these high total games with totals hovering around 49 and a half, 50 or more, I think we might actually see a little bit more ownership on the Chiefs and Eagles DST along with Harrison Butker and Jake Elliott, just due to the relative, you know, unattractiveness of this entire range as a whole. So it'll be one interesting way to maybe go through roster construction and potentially having some lineups that project well with the Chiefs D, but playing them, you know in a lineup that's got Jalen Hurts or something like that and hoping for a strip sack or a pick six or, or a couple of sacks or something along those lines that Jalen Hurts can still provide a ceiling, but somebody like the Chiefs D can get there in the same type of lineup. So I, I do think it is going to funnel a little bit more ownership to the specialists on this slate because it is, it gets really ugly when you get you know below three K. Yeah.
0: And I mean, we've seen that we were talking a lot about Quez Watkins when Dallas Goddard was out since Goddard has returned. It has been, Kind of more along the lines of how it started for Quez Watkins, which is we think a talented player but does not earn targets at a very high rate at all. But he does have a pretty good ADOT. He only ran 14 routes against the 49ers in the conference championship game. Only ran seven routes against the Giants. But those were both pretty big blowouts. Leonie, any micro takes on some of the cheap guys? Justin Watson, we know, didn't play in the conference championship because of illness, the Quez Watkins stuff, anything like that. Yeah, I think Watson could be a little bit under-owned
2: just because he didn't play last time. You know, people might be looking at Marcus Kemp, who did play, but with, uh, you know, Cardman already looking like he's not going to play and the other guys banged up. Watson's a high ADOT type guy, pretty good athlete. He could get there on just a couple of plays. So he's the one I'm most interested in right now. I think I prefer him to Quez because I think Quez will take up more ownership and but yeah, we'll see. Like you said, we haven't seen the Eagles play in a game where they've had to throw a lot thus far in the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see what the field does with Kaz if they overvalue his role at the end of the season, which isn't the role that he has now, or if they overvalue
0: you know, what's happened the last couple of weeks because the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. All right. The two other spots that I want to talk about are the running back spots on either side because I think there's going to be some room for leverage and. Ceiling here. Start on the chief side. Isaiah Pacheco is 7,200. Derek McKinnon is 6,800. I, you know, we talked about it with Silva on the previous podcast. I just couldn't believe that they did not give McKinnon more work in that conference championship game. They were down to total dust at wide receiver. They didn't even want to use McKinnon on like any swing passes and didn't want to line him up as wide receiver. They gave Pacheco a bunch of work. Pacheco was the one who actually had a better game in the receiving game. I know it's been tough on the projection side, Leone, with McKinnon versus pacheco we currently well you can see on the site what we have we currently have uh pacheco 10.9 points mckinnon 11.3 we continue to lean into some of the season-long baselines on mckinnon but we're still working on this and it's really 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 hard any thoughts on projection side mckinnon versus pacheco here it's really difficult because
2: I mean, we just expected coming into the playoffs with how McKinnon finished the season and what he did last year, that would be full playoff McKinnon. It clearly has not been, he looked banged up to me last game. And, you know, some of that could just be biased. Cause like I needed McKinnon and like, it's easy to be like, well, well he was banged up. It wasn't, it wasn't my fault, but, um, it he didn't look right. Like you said, the usage was extremely weird given the circumstances of the game. And we're having a tough time trying to figure it out quite frankly, because, we don't know, you know, what weight to put on last game versus end of the season. I mean, this is a guy who led the NFL in receiving touchdowns the last six weeks of the season or something. So that one's going to be incredibly difficult. And those are, that's one of those scenarios where I sometimes like to just, in terms of actually playing, you know, the contest, just try to assume the opposite of what the market is assuming, which right now we have them pretty similarly owned and i think i'd lean into pacheco there and just play the recency bias if they stay similarly owned but um it's definitely a tough one on the Eagles side i do think miles sanders captain teams are interesting because when he hits he hits in a way that kind of leverages against his teammates you know it's kind of the games like we saw last week when he scores two touchdowns and you also can get weird combinations in the lotto with the other running backs with Miles Sanders, where if if they do just control this game from start to finish, Miles will get his early and it's possible, you know, Scott and Gainwell just creep in for a
0: touchdown or so, or get some, some more work late. I knew you were going to say that in spots where it's uncertainty in terms of the volume input <laughs> that we should do with the opposite of field says, and I was waiting to come in with the. Yeah, but the field has them almost exactly equal, McKinnon and Pacheco. So you actually have to make a decision. But I agree with you that I would lean Pacheco, too, if the field is going to have them even. Pacheco has played really well the last two weeks. I I agree with you that McKinnon, like something did not look right with him. He never showed up on the injury report. Nobody's ever commented on it, as far as I know. And so I don't know. We could end up seeing Pacheco more owned the more that I think about it, just based on recent game log stuff. But we'll see. On the Miles Sanders stuff, yeah. The first half has been awesome for Miles Sanders, you know, 11, 12, 13 opportunities in the first half of each of the first two playoff games, and then literally not touching the ball hardly at all in the second half of either game. The Niners game was still like relatively close when they kind of went away from Miles. I still think in a close game, we'll see much more Miles than Boston Scott. I think Gainwell's played well enough to have his own kind of role in there for maybe four or five opportunities per half, uh, if he can get it. But that stuff that Gainwell's been getting late in games just, Strikes me as as somewhat fluky. We do have an under in props uh, on some Gainwell stuff as well. Cody, any thoughts there?
1: And then I do want to talk quickly about um, the the quarterback captain stuff in a second. Yeah, I'll I'll co-sign the Miles Sanders captain teams taken. And, and this is one thing that we've seen historically, dating back to 2020, in these high total games with quarterbacks, especially like these two, and pass catchers like both teams. Roster. I think you're going to see a, a healthy, very healthy amount of captain ownership on those top five options, and that's going to leave this next group of Miles Sanders, Pacheco, McKinnon relatively underowned at captain. We might even see that group as a whole come in lower than we have projected right now. And Ma- Miles Sanders is one that kind of stands out as a guy that, you know, we could get an overweight position on him at captain because like Mike said, when he hits, he hits in a big way and still be around the field in terms of total ownership. Um, historically in those games with a, with a total around 50 or more, the field rosters, captain captain running backs in total 21% and, and top 1% winning lineups, right around 30%. So I mm-hmm. think there's still a little bit of an edge there. I think the field likes to gravitate towards these pass catchers and quarterbacks in high total games. So yeah, I, I, I co-sign the Miles Sanders take.
0: Yeah. And one thing that we might see the last of it, the uh, uh, Jalen Hurts gets the snap at like the, half-yard line and they come up behind him and push him in. I think the NFL is actually going to outlaw that this offseason. That's just my, my, my gut, but this is like the last chance for that. When Jalen Hurts doesn't get that, obviously, it's good for Miles. And so what Leonie was saying, when Miles hits, Jalen Hurts maybe doesn't get that half-yard, push him in, touchdown, you start to leverage off that way. Last thing I wanted to talk about here is quarterback at captain. We currently have Jalen Hurts projected for 18% captain, Patrick Holmes 14% percent captain. Now, both these guys give you some rushing. The Mahomes rushing stuff is more complicated because he's dealing with the ankle thing. Really couldn't run very well in the conference championship game. He will have obviously had two weeks off to get healthier here. It's the Hurts rushing stuff, though, to me, that allows him to be a better captain than Mahomes. We only have a four percentage point difference here in their captain projected ownership. Again, I, I would personally prefer Jalen Hurts by a wider margin and one of Patrick Mahomes' pass catchers at captain over him but yeah what do you think about playing the quarterbacks at captain here uh
1: cody given the current ownership percentages we have yeah i, I feel like a beaten beaten record a broken record on on this with patrick mahomes given how much i love chief slates and the reason why i love captain quarterback captain patrick mahomes on these chief slates is because as you go down this projection table here you see eight nine players if you include Jerick mckinnon as a primary pass catcher as as guys you can pair him with so you can get highly projected Captain Patrick Mahomes teams with some combination of two or three of his pass catchers. And those teams are less likely to be duplicated because you're talking about guys further down the board, like Noah Gray and Jody Fortson and Sky Moore and Justin Watson. So I I like the captain Mahomes teams, even at 14.4% ownership, because I think those teams just generally lend itself to more, unique roster constructions. As I kind of mentioned off the front, if I am playing a captain Mahomes team, it's most likely going to be with two pass catchers. In some cases, it will be with three. Um, uh, I would imagine on a lot of those teams, just the way the projections shake out, I will have Travis Kelsey, but I'm happy rotating through some of these guys further down the board. Then even like an MVS at 6,200, who I think is a little bit overpriced will come in with a nice, uh, nice ownership in the large field lottery. So I love the uh, captain Patrick Mahomes stuff on, on these chief slates. Okay, Leone. Any comments on quarterback captain before
2: we get out of here? Yeah, I know the field used to overrate quarterback in captain because generally a pass catcher is going to outscore them or be a better value at a cheaper price tag. Um, the field's gotten sharper with that one and two this slate because of what Cody said when Mahomes spreading it out because of what you said with Hertz rushing. That's not necessarily the case. Mahomes is only four hundred more than Kelsey, so um, yeah, they, they look like strong captain options. I'll, I'll give one complete galaxy brain thought that I had, though, uh, as we were going through this, which would be Captain Travis Kelsey with Hertz at quarterback um, is,
0: is a way to get unique in the, the really big site. I could see that happening. And, and so what, Leonie, is is story you're telling there is that all of Patrick Mahomes' production or most of it goes through Travis Kelsey. And we haven't seen that often from Patrick Mahomes, but we have seen it before. We see it much more with a team like, uh, I don't know, like the Raiders, like, you know, Derek Carr throws for 250 yards and three touchdowns and Devonta Adams has like 160 yards and three touchdowns. And obviously in that scenario, the optimal would be Devonta Adams captain. You may not even need Derek Carr there, depending on how it shakes out on the other side. So, yeah, Galaxy Brain is in full effect here. If you are looking to use your Galaxy Brain, Showdown is the perfect place for it because you can make up just about anything and say, oh, well, it 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 was a Galaxy Brain team. I figured it out. All right. We'll be back with a lot more content ahead of the Seer Bowl. Doing a prop show. Tomorrow, are going to talk about some fun slash exotic ones. Betting show for the sides and totals with David out As usual, on Friday, establish a show. Establish million ahead of the showdown slates as well. We were referring to the projections on here. If you're a subscriber, projections for showdown are live as of Monday morning. That includes ownership. That includes uh, uh, straight salary-based value as well for Leone oh one more thing man me and Cody and even Leone we love the golf streets man it's so 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 fun playing golf one of the best events of the year I believe they call it the winter major is this weekend and so I know it's overlapping with the Super Bowl not great timing but awesome field our projections have been just absolutely crushing thanks to Rufus and Tom Peabody and so if you're interested in golf check that out on the subscribe page projections will be live wednesday morning-ish ahead of the waste management that starts on thursday for leone for cody i'm adam good luck everybody